Joshua chapter 4. When all the nation had completely crossed over the Jordan, Yahweh spoke to Joshua, saying, Take twelve men out of the people, a man out of every tribe, and command them, saying, Take from out of the middle of the Jordan, out of the place where the priests' feet stood firm, twelve stones. Carry them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you will camp tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men, whom he had prepared out of the children of Israel, a man out of every tribe. Joshua said to them, Cross before the ark of Yahweh your God into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you pick up a stone and put it on your shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you. But when your children ask in the future, saying, What do you mean by these stones? Then you shall tell them. Because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of Yahweh's covenant, when it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. The children of Israel did as Joshua commanded, and took up twelve stones out of the middle of the Jordan, as Yahweh spoke to Joshua, according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. They carried them over with them to the place where they camped, and laid them down there. Joshua set up twelve stones in the middle of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. For the priests who bore the Ark stood in the middle of the Jordan until everything was finished that Yahweh commanded Joshua to speak to the people, according to all that Moses commanded Joshua, and the people hurried and passed over. When all the people had completely crossed over, Yahweh's ark crossed over with the priests in the presence of the people. The children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over arms before the children of Israel, and Moses spoke to them. About 40,000 men, ready and armed for war, passed over before Yahweh to battle on the plains of Jericho. And on that day, Yahweh magnified Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. Yahweh spoke to Joshua, saying, Command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant that they come up out of the Jordan. Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come up out of the Jordan. When the priests who bore the Ark of Yahweh's Covenant had come up out of the middle of the Jordan, and the soles of the priests' feet had been lifted up to the dry ground, the waters of the Jericho returned to their place and went over all its banks as before. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and camped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. Joshua set up the twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan in Gilgal. He spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For Yahweh your God dried up the waters of the Jordan from before you until you had crossed over. As Yahweh your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of earth may know that Yahweh's hand is mighty and that you may fear Yahweh your God forever. After they crossed over the Jordan, they set up two monuments. Well, as the water was low and was gone, as they were crossing over, 12 men from the 12 tribes 
one from each tribe, they each picked up a rock and took it over. So they made a monument on the other side of these 12 rocks. But Joshua also made a monument in the middle of the river where the priests had stood out of another different 12 rocks. So there were two monuments, one on dry land and one that actually um, was underwater. So when the water returned, it went completely over one, which isn't seen. And the other one, of course, was seen. These were monuments, which the book of Joshua, chapter 4, says are there to this day. Of course, that doesn't mean they're there to this day, like today. It means there to this day when the book was written, which was written by Joshua within living memory of those events. And um, some people think this is a picture of baptism because, you know, they went through the river and... Um, Something was left in the river, like, you know, as Christians, when we go down into the waters of baptism, we die, and our old man remains, but a new man comes up to a new life. And so there's these two monuments, one that's, that's gone down into the water and it remains, and there's this monument that's come out of the water, it came out of underneath, and it's been put there on the side. It's a picture of baptism and our life in Christ. So these types of pictures appear over and over and over through all of these books. And uh, I think it's probably right because it makes no sense to make a monument that's going to be un underwater. It makes sense to get stones and make a monument on the side. As a reminder, we make monuments today. You go places and you find monuments. Like there's one in Mount Morgan in the cemetery and it's a pile of stones and it's a monument to the Aboriginal tribe that lived there in that, that area. So we have these monuments of all different types. They remind us of things, things we didn't know about. But it makes no sense to make one in the bottom of a river where no one's going to see it, it's not going to remind you of anything. And so that's why I think this is a this is a picture of baptism. And, uh, and all of us, of course, must be baptised into Christ. Now it says that they crossed the river, and it says that, that fighting men from the tribe of Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh crossed over with them. 40,000 men, it says. Now you will remember, if you've been watching our Bible videos, but there's a, a moment back in the book of Numbers, around about chapter 30, oh, I haven't written it down here. There's a moment when um, the these three tribes, they um, find land on, on the other side of the Jordan, you know, on the side where they haven't crossed over yet, and they like it there. It's good for their cattle. And they say to Moses, we want to stay here. Now Moses is all concerned because he thinks that they're not going to join in the battle for the land, but that they just want to cop out and have it have it easy. And these three tribes make a promise. They say that we will send over every man to fight to help our brothers get their inheritance. So that's interesting. So Moses relents and says, okay, that's fine. So what we notice in Numbers chapter 32 was there was a census of these three tribes. The tribe of Reuben was counted as having 43,730 fighting men the tribe of Gad, 40,500, and Manasseh, 52,700. If you add up all the fighting men of those three tribes, it adds up to 136,230. But we, were just, we just read that only 40,000 fighting men crossed over. <laughs> They're 96,230 short, give or take. You know, It was a, it was a month earlier that that census happened. So they're, they're nearly 100,000 men down. Now, they made a promise to Moses. They said every fighting man will go over, but obviously not every fighting man's gone over. There's almost 100,000 not gone over. Now, I listened to some 
commentaries on this. And uh, I'm about to disagree with all the people I've read. <laughs> because in particular, Dr. Creasy from Logos, he said that that was the day. That was the beginning of the, the decay for those three tribes. And he, he had... Um, he had an opinion that the, you know, they fell out of the favour with the Lord immediately and they're under a curse and all these bad things started to happen because they didn't keep their word to God. That was his opinion. Other commentators just didn't say it as strongly as that, but they basically said that these people haven't kept their promise. And um, But I disagree. I uh, went back and reread um, Numbers 32.16 and it said in there that they negotiated that first we, they would build cities for their families to live in and keep them safe, and then they would come and help fight. So they promised that they would send every fighting man, but they said that they would first build cities to keep their families safe. So you imagine if you've suddenly given your wives and children all your flocks and inheritance, and they're living there just in the desert, you know, on the, on the east side of the Jordan, and then all of a sudden every single man is gone. Now, what would you do if you've got 130,000 women plus children, all there completely undefended? They're going to be a huge target. You know, the Moabites or other people are going to attack them. So what's happened here is that they've actually sent 40,000 men armed and ready for battle, but they've kept back about 100,000 men to help build the cities and, and keep their families safe. And I think they've done exactly what they said. They said they wouldn't send any men until they'd done this thing first. But I think what we see here is they're actually sending men even though they're not ready yet. And I think they've done the honourable thing. And I think it's it's a truly Christian attitude to consider others. And, um, and so that's what they're doing. They're considering their fellow brothers and they're sending people to help even though they're not able to send everyone yet, but they will. And even though when you read the book of Joshua, you don't get the sense of it, this conquest actually lasted seven years. So these men ended up being away a lot, quite a lot of time. And um, so it wasn't just all over in a few weeks. And so I think that for the first part of it, these, these men have stayed back and helped build up their own side of the, the river. And then they've gone across to help their brothers. And I think it's all very honourable. Now it says that they crossed over the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month. Now that day, if you've been following the Bible videos, you will know that is four days before Passover. And then it's also the day that the Passover lamb was selected. They had this process where they'd pick a Passover lamb in advance and then it would be sacrificed on the day of Passover. So they've actually crossed over the river on the day that the Passover lamb was selected. That's a picture of Christ. So on the day that they've entered into their promise, it's the day that they chose Christ. And I think it's a good point to end this chapter. If you want to enter into your promises, you cannot do it without choosing Christ. If you want to try to, to find grace and blessing and all these things outside of Christ, some people do find some good things outside of Christ, but they're not permanent, they're not eternal, they're not long-lasting, they're not truly satisfying. And that's why wealthy people, um, you know, someone like Jim Carrey, a famous actor, and he said... Um, he said, I wish everyone was wealthy. He said, then they would know that money is not the answer. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, there's people who do find some success in life, but without, without Christ, 
There's no meaning in it at all. But of course, if we choose Christ, um, we find that we enter into his promises. So Lord, I want to thank you. And we today, Lord, we choose Christ. Just as these Israelites crossed over the Jordan on the day that the Passover lamb was selected and that they chose Christ, we, chose, we choose Christ too. And Father, I ask that you give us grace to follow, grace to serve, grace to love. Lord, open our eyes and our hearts to, to Christ. Open our eyes and our hearts to Christ in, our, in, our, in fellow Christians around us that we might love them too. In Jesus' name, amen.